we're going to ease into our lesson today and look to the Lord with a word of prayer, and we'll get started. Father, we just thank you for this time that you've given us to sit quietly before you and hear you speak through the power of the Spirit. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your encouragement. We thank you for how you bless us and keep us. We thank, uh, thank you for how you heal us. And we, as we go through the aches and pains that we have to muster through at times. But we're just thankful, Lord, for your presence. We pray now that you just uh, bless this group, bless those who are still coming. We pray that the Spirit does all the speaking. And that uh, we give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Yes, sir. Okay. Got that book. Yes. We certainly are. We certainly are. We're glad to see Mr. Wells back. And um, I wasn't going to give him a whole lot of fanfare because I know he likes to kind of keep things on the quiet, but it's good to see him in the house. Amen? Amen. So, uh, welcome back. Thank you. All right. Back to lesson 13. Down at the bottom of page 2, we were kind of looking at the disciples and their reaction to the encounter that they had with Jesus. And we read about it in, let's just get back to the area where in Luke, uh, just for the refresher, go back to Luke chapter 24. So that we can speak with context here. Luke 24. You recall that they did not recognize who Jesus was when they were speaking to him. It wasn't until you see where they were sitting down at the table, uh, going at verse 29, they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. And verse 30, when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Verse 31, and then, and their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. And then verse 32, they said to each other, did our, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us, talked to us on the road, which he opened to us while he opened to us the scriptures. That was the discussion in verse 32. And understand that um, the whole premise of this is understanding that God's word has an amazing impact on us when it, it, he is speaking to us. Amen? Just making sure you're still there with us while we're, we're getting settled in. Amen. Amen. Okay. God's word truly does burn within us when he is speaking to us. Notice that they said... Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with, to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? When you go back and look at John chapter 1, verse 1, what does John 1, 1 say? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was from God. Say it again. And the Word was God. The Word, as we have it, interpreted in scripture is Jesus Christ. He is the living word. 
And words are indeed very powerful. Amen? Especially when their words are coming from Jesus Christ. They should create a reaction that you experience where truly when God is speaking to you through his word, it should affect your heart. It should have an impact on your heart. It should have an impact on your very being. It's a choice that you make to allow that word to burn, though. That's the other thing you have to understand, too. Because who does not want you to understand or have any impact with the word? Satan doesn't want you to have any feelings about God's word. None whatsoever. So that's just a little side note. I'm not going to dwell on that right now. But it is an important factor that you have to have the desire to hear and understand God's word. And these two gentlemen who were traveling with Jesus, who remember, they did not know who he was. But yet they heard the word and they were affected by it. It's because they were prepared to hear something positive about who Jesus was. We have to make a choice from the moment we decide that Christ is worth pursuing that your heart has to have a desire to hear more from him. Amen? Once that happens, your heart is prepared to hear things about Jesus. And the Spirit is the one who is doing what? The nudging, the prodding, the you know, picking, doing these little things to make sure that you're making yourself aware of his presence. Because the Spirit is the one who gets us saved, ultimately, when we make that decision. But again, it's still a choice, isn't it? It's still your choice. It's still a choice. If it wasn't a choice, then why do we have this gospel message? Why are we not called to go out into the world and preach the gospel? What is the gospel? It's his word. It's his very word. That's what we're called to do. So none of that's changed. It's all the same. We should be honored and feel privileged that he called upon us as believers in Jesus Christ, to do that very thing, to go out into the world and preach the gospel. Amen? That's what we need to understand. So let's continue. We left off in the part down at the bottom of page two. God is present in his word. That's the next to the last sentence on bottom of page two. God is present in his word. Amen? God is present in his word. Amen? Just checking. Some of y'all must be eating. Pardon me? Oh, I'm overdoing it. Okay. Our heart burns when we recognize it, but we are guaranteed a God visitation in another situation as well. Now, let's look at this. Let's turn to Matthew 18, 20. Matthew 18:20. Well, let's start, let's read verse 19 also, just to tie that together in a nice, neat little bow. Matthew 18:19, and then we're going to read verse 20 as well too. Verse 19. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Pretty profound words. And then verse 20, 
For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. So what that means is, there's more than two or three of us in this room. If we are gathered in his name, then he is present. And that's why we don't take it for granted when we talk about praying for things like letting the Spirit speak. Because we know that if the Spirit isn't speaking, what's going on? The flesh may be doing some conversation. But now we're gathered, supposedly in Jesus' name, right here, because he is present. And so what should be taking place in the midst of this class, or in any gathering like this, is that we are allowing the Spirit to guide us, lead us, direct us, teach us, inform us, make us aware of things that perhaps we weren't aware of in his word. Because we're gathered in his name. Where, more, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. So what does Matthew 18.20 promise and under what condition? What does Matthew 18.20 promise and under what condition? Promise is what? Jesus will be present as we gather in his name. He is going to be here. Now, notice how he mentions two and three. What about one? Pardon me? He's still there. If you're sitting by yourself and you're having a conversation with the Lord as far as prayer is concerned, of course he's still there. But what we're now giving emphasis to is that now we're talking about groups of people. You know, you're not by yourself. So he's giving you something for you to understand and remember when you're, in fact, going into prayer with someone else. Let's say there are two of you praying together. If you're gathered in his name, he's present. He hears you. And that's the one thing we always need to keep in mind and understand, too. You know, God has created each and every one of us. He knows who we are as a people. He knows when we need to be picked up by others as well, too. He knows when we need encouragement. He knows when we're struggling. And so the importance of people gathering together to encourage each other is not to be underestimated. Because we're all in need of different things at different times. Amen? We're all in need of support for each other. The whole purpose of going to church is to do what? To gather in His name. To sing and worship and praise you know, there are some churches out there that actually do put a lot of emphasis on the worship aspect of service. Where they get people, they'll have a little countdown thing on the wall. It's almost time for service, and there's a countdown. And then once the countdown ends, service starts on time. The worship team gets up on the, the stage, and they start singing praises and, and getting people into the service. Kind of like what we're trying to do here, believe it or not. But that's exactly what the purpose is, to get people who are gathered together into the mindset, it's time to worship. It's time to pray. It's time to put aside the things that you brought with you, maybe bring them to him, and worship and praise him. It's giving everyone the mindset of the importance of gathering together. And 
frankly, it should be one of the highlights of your week. Amen? Amen. It should be a highlight for your week. It should be an important part. You know, we do it on Sunday. Sunday is a great way to start your week. It's important that you don't forget what happened on Sunday morning at the, at the service, and then by Monday you're like, oh man, the week is ruined already. Well, that's not what should be happening. You should be praising the Lord from when you walk in and walk out of church and when you go forward by the day and continue for that momentum all week long. It's important for us to gather together. When you gather with members of this Sunday school class or with your Bible study group, he is there. That's on the top of page three. The writer of Hebrews has something to say about this. Go to Hebrews 10.25. Hebrews 10.25. Well, let's, let's go to verse 24. I need to check those before I put that down. Make sure that I, I like to have complete sentences when I'm giving out verses. We'll start with verse 24. And let us consider, verse 24, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Let's stop there for a moment. Do you stir people up with love and good works? It says, let us consider how to stir people up with love and good works. Not all the time. Okay. That's fine. Understand something. You're here for a reason and a purpose. Guess what your purpose is? To glorify God. Plain and simple. Pardon me? Love and good works. The love that you express should be emanating from you in such a way where people say, there's something different about this person. Especially in this world. Making a difference in this world is doing what? Doing things that are out of character with this world. Showing love and doing good works. That's who you are. That should be in your DNA as a believer in Jesus Christ. Amen? That's in your DNA. Now, do we do it perfectly all the time? No, we don't. Because we're in the flesh. So we need to always go back to the reason and the purpose why you're here. Showing love, stirring up one another to love and good works. Now it says stirring up one another, which means what? We're encouraging each other to do what's right. Do what's good. When everybody else is stealing and thieving, you're actually doing good things. You're actually showing there's a different way and a better way. Doing good works. You don't cut corners. You do exactly what you need to do to make sure you're doing this job the right way, the best way, the best way that you possibly can. These are all behaviors, aren't they? That's behaviors. Because you understand that there's a greater purpose in this. The greater purpose is to do what? Glorify God. So verse 24 Verse 25, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So now you've got a couple of things going on here. You're gathering together. Many will neglect to meet together. 
But you're not neglecting to do so. You see the importance of this fellowship time. You see this importance, the importance of gathering together for the purpose of building each other up, stirring up one another to do those good things, to loving one another. And understand that, notice the verse says, and is the habit of some. The habit of some. People shouldn't be just stuck on watching televangelists and saying, I'm getting my sufficient church. No, you're not. You're not doing anything. You're just watching somebody on TV. You're not gathering together to do anything. You're just sitting by yourself. You're being implored in Scripture to gather. Whether it be in prayer with someone else, a prayer team, a Sunday school class, going to church, a Bible study. This is what we're supposed to be doing. To encourage one another. What do you think would happen if you just didn't go to church? Or have these gathering opportunities? Pardon me? A mess. Okay. <laughs> well, that's part of it. Who is driving you or who is encouraging you to read the Word? Are they necessarily doing it on TV? No, they're not. They're, they might be pointing out scriptures that you can open the book, but it's very easy to read the scripture on TV too. But that's not necessarily having you go and do some deep diving. First of all, the whole purpose of a Bible reading schedule, including our two-year plan, is not just to read the basic scriptures each seven to ten minutes a day. It's encouraging you to go deeper. If you have a heart for the Lord, you will go deeper. It will be something that you are compelled to do on your own because you want to learn more. That's the whole point. The Bible reading plan just gets you in the Bible if you stay with it. But there's much more to learn as you do your own independent study of Scripture. In other words, it's insufficient to do just the Bible reading plan and they say that's it for the day. Now, your time may only allow you so much during a certain time of day, depending upon what you're running into. But guess what? At least you were in there. But now, when you don't have that, when you have downtime, what should you be doing? Going back to the Word on your own and looking things up and doing research and studying. That's what you should be doing. What's the purpose of having a study Bible if you're not studying it? That's what it's for. It's a study Bible. Now, you know, my parents had a Bible on their table. There was a dust ring all around it. If you could pick up the Bible off the, the glass table, you could see where the Bible, where it's clean, where there's uh, no dust on it. But there was dust around it because they didn't open it. And this was many years ago. You know, my dad's a believer now, so that, that's not happening now. He's, he's into the Bible. He's reading it. And my mom got saved before she was unable to make a decision like that for herself. So praise the Lord for that. And my dad led her to the Lord that way. So, but you know exactly what I'm talking about back in the old days. You know, we'll have a Buddha statue up in front of the 
We'll have a Buddha statue up in front of the, uh, the fireplace. This is going back in the 70s. Because we were into all kinds of stuff back then. Amen? Amen? We were into all kinds of stuff back then. Tell me, y'all, why y'all ain't saying amen? You know exactly what I'm talking about. Amen. Y'all know exactly. We were into all kinds of stuff. And it wasn't necessarily Bible stuff. Pardon me? Okay, yeah. Right. Everything is before your time, brother. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more you see the day drawing near. So there is an end game to this. The day, day is in capital letters in my Bible. Which means there is a day coming when it'll be too late for you to be doing any of this other gathering stuff. Because there's an end to this. And recognizing that should give you, if the Lord's heart, if it's, if it's burning in your heart, the Lord's word is burning in your heart, you should have the desire to see as many people as possible get saved. That is what your goal is. That is what your will and purpose is because it's in line with God's will and purpose. So what should you be doing as a believer? You should be praying for anybody that you know who does not know the Lord and praying for opportunities to speak to those people about Jesus Christ. Now, it doesn't happen overnight. But, hey, the Lord tarries, right? You just keep praying about it. So rephrase and amplify Hebrews 10.25 into a positive command. Those of you who have read Amplified Bibles may know how to do this. So let's take Hebrews 10.25 and rephrase it and amplify it into a positive command. Because right now the way it's written says not neglecting to meet. So let's say it differently. Let's say it in a way that Helps us a little bit even more here. Who wants to take a stab at it? No right or wrong answers. Go to church. Okay, that's, that's the Cliff Notes version of this. <laughs> but let's, let's even add, that's, that's good, that's a good start. Let's add to that. Let's try, some of you look like you're scuffling with this. I don't know. I'm just looking. I'm just staring. Go ahead. I'm, you had your hand up. Yeah. Supposed to. It's just downright healthy for us to be meeting. It's healthy. It's a spiritual wellness thing for us to meet. Spiritual wellness is actually a, a topic. Emotional wellness is actually a topic now in corporate America. Believe it or not, believe it or not, our company is actually talking about emotional wellness. But our emotional wellness is what? Gathering together. Yep. Then we have to go see them. Call them? Yeah, call them if you can't get out. We have to go see them. 
that is supposed to engage you to think about those people who can't do the very thing that you're doing. That's the whole point of that. You call on them. You go see them. Yes. No. They can't get out. They can't get out. Not at all. No. It's to compel us to think about those who don't have the ability to get out. That's what we should be doing. We should be encouraging. This is the whole point of why you just can't be stuck at home. If you're able to get out and you're not doing anything, then that's just not right. You should be getting out. You should be looking at other people's lives. You should be thinking outside of yourself. That's the whole point of ministry. Ministry is thinking outside of yourself. You know you have your own personal needs. Okay. Well, what about others? If you have a heart for God, you'll be thinking about other people. That's just a natural thing. All right, so let's amplify. Yes. Okay. Yes, I'm aware of that. Okay. And that's where you have to seek the Lord and see what works. Everybody's different. Everybody has schedules. Everybody has things that they have to do. But for those people who have the time to devote to do those things, and you can make the time to do it, then do it. You'll, be so much, you'll, be, you'll feel so much better about where you are in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ the more active you are in some of these things doesn't mean you wear yourself out doing it, but you should be doing it in such a way where if there's a schedule and if it's in your schedule, you do it. But each person has to seek the Lord as to what is right for them. Point is, you have to come outside of yourself. You have to come outside of yourself. Yes. The church has to come outside Absolutely. That's right. Hang on to your hats, everybody. Although the 
Well, let me. Brother, let, pastor, I tell you, as we read these passages in Luke, he took the initiative. Jesus, the one that he came to him, they didn't come to him. In the book of Acts, when they say, My heart burned within us, he went to them. They didn't come to him. Even in the book of Genesis, when man Okay, so let me let me summarize all of this. I don't mean to monopolize, but I just no. want to get the point. Jesus is giving what you're giving examples of is that Jesus is the one showing you what needs to be done. He, it starts with one person. It starts with one person having conversations with people outside of this church. You may have to go to more than one nursing home. You may have to go to more than one facility. I'm pleased that I'm able to have Bible study at my my mother's assisted living facility. They have, it's a real Bible study. Not something watered down. And it's for an hour. So it's well worth it. It's almost like a little sermonette. But the point is, is that you're going out and you're going and getting in the midst of other people and you're asking the questions and you're making sure that those things are available for them. It starts with one person doing it you start having to have those conversations. It can grow from one person to two or to three, whatever it is, but it starts with you. One, Jesus is the example that was just discussed between Gus and Brother Beecher. It starts with one person. Yes. Yeah. Yep. No, that's right. Very true. And the whole process is there's that key area. Yeah. Because all of us sitting here, we live long enough, there will be a time we may not be able to come to That's right. But that doesn't mean we can't go wherever else. That's exactly right. That's the whole premise of thinking outside of yourself. That's the whole purpose of ministry. Ministry is going out from where you are. Now, sometimes it's not always pleasant. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's difficult. It's not promised it's going to be easy. But if the Lord is enabling you and guiding you, if the Lord, if the word is burning in your heart, you will put up with a lot. Because you see what the end purpose is. Remember, what, as the day draws near... You're thinking about the lives of these people, especially at the end of their lives. 
The worst thing in the world is to see somebody just die in their sin. That's what we have to always be conscious of when we're talking about this type of ministry. Okay, so let's continue. I want to finish up. So Hebrews 10.25, I want to amplify that and make it positive. It says, get together, go to church. In spite of what other people are doing, you go to church. Don't use not going as an excuse. Go to church. You know what, if you get a flat tire in your driveway, yeah, it might deter you from getting to church. But guess what? Fix the daggone flat tire and go to church. Encourage one another because we don't have a lot of time. We don't have a lot of time. Now, that's a positive way of saying we don't have a lot of time. You say, the day drawing near. What is the day drawing near? What is that? We don't have a lot of time. There is a time when you're not going to be able to go. But you should be passing on to your children, your grandchildren, the importance of developing this love for Jesus Christ, not just going through the motions. We have a lot of folks who start out who say, yeah, I know the Lord, I know the Lord. Just going through the motions because they don't really have that heart thing going. You have to understand that. They don't really believe it or feel it in their heart. There has to be a connection with Jesus Christ with the word in the person's heart. Children will mimic their parents just to make sure that they're getting along. But that doesn't mean that they have a sincere love for Jesus. Adults will mimic others just to be in a group. But it doesn't mean that they have a love for Jesus. A little bit of psychology going on in here, isn't there? Behaviors. Don't assume that everybody you associate with has a love relationship with Jesus Christ. They might say all the words. It doesn't mean they have it. That's why we are praying to get together as a church, to grow, to edify the Lord, to encourage others, to help them along in this journey. Because this is a journey. This is a lifelong journey. How the world would be if we didn't have church? Well, we're already getting close. We're already getting close. Well, we're seeing churches that are being divided. Yeah. The church is what? The bride of Jesus Christ. Amen? But I think we need to think about the importance of this church. I know. That's a fair, fair comment. So let's move on. I, that's, this is Jennifer Rothschild, rewrote the passage this way. Join together. Hang out frequently. Don't miss a chance getting together with your fellow believers. 
This Jesus is there when you commune and share companionship with other believers. It should be a habit for us as believers to want to gather. Amen? Okay. I, I can't be much more clear than that. And that's because it's for our own good. You know, the world's not going to end if you take a week off because something's going on. It's not going to end. You know, one of the things we have to understand, too, there's a balance in all of this, too. You know, sometimes there are other things you have to do. Maybe you're going on vacation, whatever it is. But the point is, is that if you're making a habit of it, that means it's going to be a regular occurrence. It's going to be a regular occurrence. This is all well and good. Now, this is me. But some of us, surprisingly large group of us, are not anywhere near this place. We don't really want to join together or hang out with any frequency. There is not a desire to get together in group settings behind the Sunday morning church service. Would you care to discuss this? Perhaps refute this? I think that Brother Beecher kind of led into this saying how important the church really is. And some people just don't think it's all that important. There are different groups. Okay. 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 Because we're like-minded in the sense of we're all seeking the Word of God, we're mm-hmm. praying, the conversation is enriched, it's, it's sharpening each other, we're mm-hmm. challenging each other, mm-hmm. we're growing. Yeah. There's some groups I go to and I'm like, hey, I don't like the religiousness, and it's hard, I go because I might need to go sometimes. Sometimes you rub off on other people. Okay. But there are some groups that you go in and all the religious talk, but you don't see it reflected in the life, you don't see it reflected in the conversation. You don't say you want a church activity. So for some people, there are different groups that it calls you to really want to go because there's that rich growth in there. Mm-hmm. And then there's some groups, it's just a religious activity and you're going to the motion. Mm-hmm. So I think, I know I'm not the only one that feels that way because we talk okay. about these other women. Sure. Okay. So I think there's differences sometimes mm-hmm. that will cause people not to go. Mm-hmm. Not to want to participate in some of those things. Versus other groups that will draw people in. Okay. Okay. Yes. 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 Okay. Right. I got it. Yep. Anyone else? That was the debate, huh? Okay. Well, but that goes back to what I said earlier. We gather and we fellowship here for a reason and a purpose. The purpose is to glorify God, to edify Him, and also to support other people in this journey of learning. Because we're not just gathering together as a group. We're not a club. Okay? We're not a coffee clatch. There's much more to what we're doing here.
That's right. That's right. But yet it's still a church. Absolutely. Amen. But so often we don't function as the biblical church. Right. And we cause more confusion among ourselves as church sometimes. Mm-hmm. And we don't see that one body functioning. That's and that's all Satan's doing. You have to understand that Satan is the one who is the author of confusion. So if we understand all of that. Absolutely. That's right. The emphasis for a lot of churches today that I'm seeing, just in doing a little bit of research here and there and looking at different services, the lost art is the worship. Because with the worship, it compels you to now think outside of yourself. You've got to be seeking the Lord. You've got to be seeking after Him. Worship is the missing component in a lot of places. True worship. Not just getting out there and puffing yourself up. Because we've seen that too. Puffing yourself up before other people. Getting out there and really singing the words of the songs and looking at, you know, arms raised, praise teams just playing. Go check it out. You'll, You'll see the emphasis is there. And usually behind that comes a sermon that has some substance to it with plain talk. Plain talk. Not talk that's over people's heads. It draws them back to the scriptures, but ultimately it gives you, gives you conversational talk through sermons about how you can truly do something with the Word. Because a lot of churches don't do that. They don't do that. And you're like, what was I doing for the last hour? That's what you have to understand. That's, it's a lost art. And it's not even so much a modernization of the church. It's basically getting back to the way the church was as originally planned in Acts chapter 2, which we'll talk about and we'll pick up next time. Getting back to the roots of the church and what it really stands for. It's a time of gathering together and uplifting other people. And certainly edifying and glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ. And being grateful for where you are. You know, sometimes we need a reminder as to how wonderful it is where you are today because of what he did for you. That should be the mindset for every service. Because we know the days aren't promised. Okay, 
we're going to pick up next time. We're going to stop there. And that was a good opening discussion. But I hope it got you compelled to think about why you do what you do. Because you need to know why you're doing what you're doing. If you're walking around all the time thinking, I'm going to go to church now, then I'm going to go do this, I'm going to do that. Well, wait a minute. Not, wait a minute. You're going to church for a reason. And a purpose. Not just to check off a box. We do a lot of stuff now checking off boxes. Church is not a box checkoff. You need to know why you're doing what you're doing. Amen? So this is a good discussion. We'll pick up next time. Father, thank you for this time that you've given us to just sit quietly and think. Let the Spirit speak. We just thank you that we praise you, Lord, that we're more than two are gathered. You are present. We thank you for that lesson. And we thank you for that ongoing understanding. We pray now, Lord, that you just bless us and keep us. Help us to learn more about how this desire for you continues to burn in our hearts where we can even develop it and grow it and learn even more. Your word speaks to us and we thank you for that. We pray now also for the upcoming message and the speaker. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. See you next time.